And that was my moment to say a, a moment of gratitude and, and just express, you know, I'm glad to be alive. You know, I'm, I'm happy for the people that are caring for me, happy for my family. Look, I've got a great industry behind me. Hey, everybody. Brian Hoagley here with CISO Life. Welcome back. Very excited again today to have an amazing guest with us today, Chris Tillett. Chris is with Exabeam, where he's a security engineer uh, representing the New York City area. Uh, Chris is joining us from his uh, chalet in Connecticut, I, th I believe right now, or your uh, your second home. Um, also joining me today is my partner in crime, Taylor Lehman of Tufts, now Athena fame. We want to welcome both of you to the show and talk about some really interesting stuff. I'm excited to be here with you guys today. Um, uh, you know, I, as Brian mentioned, um, I'm one of the partners inside channel and also the CISO at Athena Health. Um, which is <clears throat> an organization that works closely with healthcare, been in healthcare for a long time. Uh, hearing about Chris's story was, you know, kind of inspired me a bit to reach out and kind of hear what his experience was. Chris, as you know, I don't want to disclose your PHI because that's like bad security in healthcare, but um, fairly public uh, post RSA. You're a survivor of COVID, which is awesome. Um, it was uh, huge news in the cyber industry. I can speak for my group and the folks I socialize with. Um, a lot of people, when they heard about the positive diagnosis and then subsequent hospitalization, it was something that was on, on a lot of people's minds, people who didn't know you, people who had just met you, you know, aside from just being thankful that you're, you're here with us now, you know, can you share a little bit about what your experience was like coming out of RSA? Yeah, I, you know, thank you both for having me on and uh, for one to focus on a positive message. I think that's very important for everyone today. Um, but I, I have to tell you, you know, when I left RSA and I just started feeling like just beaten down, just very worn down and not because you were asking me questions, uh, but it was more just I just had no strength left. And I remember not, uh, you know, cutting my booth duty short. And then when I flew back home. Uh, I just felt like a truck hit me. And then essentially by Monday, um, I had 102 degree fever. And uh, I remember hearing from my wife, who's a nurse, and she said, you don't, you don't have COVID, you just have a man cold. And, <laughs> and I said, it's, it's possible. I said, but I'm going to go get tested. And, and essentially, they didn't, they didn't even have test kits in Connecticut anywhere. Uh, it took a while to get that. So by Friday, uh, she was using that little pull socks on me. Uh, you know, measuring my oxygen levels and and my heart rate. And when I was lying down, I could barely even take my medicine that they had given me. They kept thinking it was the flu. And then when she had me stand up, the levels went down from 91 down to 77. And so she's like, okay, we're going to the ER. And once I went to the ER, uh, the doctors there, Danbury Hospital, amazing work. They recognized it immediately. They put me in a negative pressure room so I wouldn't infect anybody else. And uh, the ER doctor there, Dr. Side, said, I believe you have COVID. I said, I've been saying that all week, doc. And I would love for you to say that again in front of my wife because she told me I had a man cold. <laughs> and so I, no matter what, I was always trying to find a way to laugh at something, even though I could barely breathe. Yeah. Um, and then from there, uh, I descended into chaos, uh, went into the coma. They had to put me, basically put me down and then put me on a ventilator. And it really wasn't until day seven that I started to kind of come out of it and improve. 
Um, but I can say that I didn't really feel like 50% of myself until about five days after I woke up. Um, I had a pain. You know, I was hallucinating. I was having fever dreams. Um, and so I didn't know any of this was going on. I still felt like I was in the ER. That's how fast it felt for me. I had an insane 10-day dream sequence that created a whole alternate reality, which could be a part of a – if I describe that, that's another whole podcast in general because yeah. it was that nuts. Um, and then, you know, I finally get to a regular stable hospital floor, and this nurse comes and goes, you know, you're famous. And I said, uh, for what? <laughs> and then right. she showed me the GoFundMe and then, you know, on my phone. And I started reading all the comments from everybody in cyber supporting my family, knowing that I could, you know, it's possible with, you know, six month old boys, I may not be there for them. And I just remember I was up till four o'clock in the morning in the hospital bed, just in tears of just feeling so humbled and grateful to be a to get the care that I got, but also to be a part of this community and people that supported my family and knew that I, I knew that they had my back um, and my company, Exabeam, you know, not to plug them too much because I know I can't speak for them too much, but they did a wonderful job of supporting my family too. And so, you know, to sit there in the hospital and you're you're quite lonely, you don't see nurses, but for about 15 minutes, a couple of hours a day, and that's you know to protect them and to protect the PPE. It just, it made you feel really good. And it made me realize, okay, I did make the right decision 25 years ago, accepting that PICS firewall and saying, yeah, I'll install that. And then taking the sunbox and, okay, I'll install Checkpoint. You know, I don't even know what the heck this thing does. And then that was my career into cyber from operations. So, uh, so thank you for all of your support and for everyone else who did support my family. I, I am truly grateful. Yeah. Oh, well, I think uh, it goes without saying we're still, trying to figure out how to make pictures firewalls work. Um, so we're, we're glad you're here. Um, but uh, Chris, you're, um, your wife's a nurse, right? Yes. You, you know, what kind of nurse is she? Well, she started off in cardiac and then now she's done doing private home care. Okay. So she helps very specific cases. Um, I can't say too much more because of the PHI. No, no, no. Um, but she, she does a lot with uh, several communities around here. Great. So she was... Like, you know, the literally the first person to see you had probably no training on what COVID looked like at that point. I think feel like nobody did. Yeah. Um, you know, how 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 you know, how is she doing? Obviously. I know that we heard a lot about your kids and you know, obviously she having to st- you know, like many of us who've got kids at home having to stay and watch them not being able to work. Um, but you know, it took this was a big, you know, she's a big part of the story too, right? I mean, just what she went through and um and obviously being there for you i think is is amazing to have that you know a caregiver in the in the home or close by but you know definitely um you know it's, it's kind of thinking of the impact of being in the profession while this is all going on and now having her her husband also be effective must be you know kind of a, a crazy feeling i mean i don't know if you can share any of, of what that was like but um we're definitely you know there's there's always you know, there's always this side of the story that gets missed and, and, and how, how, you know, how is she, how, how is she doing? She's doing really well. Um, you know, to manage all that she did at the time, the boys would take a 30 minute nap and then be up for two hours. Yeah. And so, you know, here she is having to manage my healthcare, my decisions, cause I had signed over a healthcare proxy to her. So doctors would have to call her 
and go over the different treatments because a lot of these treatments were uh, treatments that the CDC and the FDA had to approve for uh, for my care. And they didn't know if it was going to work or not. And, and we still don't know if it worked or not. But they had to you know, explain her the risks and the rewards and what it could do while managing two twins and being in quarantine herself. Uh, that night when the doctors in ER said, hey, we think you've got COVID and they gave me the test, they sent her home. And so she had to manage all of this by herself, manage, you know, dealing with my HR department, uh, manage, you know, talking with my bosses, her, all of our family members. Um, it was an intense amount of stress for her. Yeah. And so um, seeing the support did help her. Uh, and using, you know, some of the, those outreach, being able to reach out to people over those programs did provide her some level of solace to, to deal with this. Uh, but, you know, to if I were to describe all the details that she went through in that two-week period, it, it was insane. You know, she had to break, she started feeling bad herself. So she had to contact my sister and go over the will to make sure she understood it and contact my best friend who's the executor because she's like, I don't know if now I'm going to go down and now I've got to look at how the boys are going to get cared for. Um, so really the best way I can describe her is Wonder Woman. I mean, she did everything. I hope you don't have any copyright issues with me saying that, but uh, you know, but Say it really again, man. Say it again. <laughs> Wonder Woman. That's the truth. And, uh, and I was really proud of her. I was so proud of everything that she did um, and handling all these, the different types of media, trying to extract data from her. Uh, you know, the governor has to announce that, I was the first COVID patient and um, she, he didn't say my name, but he had, he had to say who I, you know, where I lived and all that. And so she, she you know, she had to strategically leak out information into the local community because they said, you know, 45 year old man. Oh, he, I'm 45. I've got a 12 year old is, is this, you know, are his kids in the school? So she had to, you know, leak, think of how to leak out information. So it's not to cause panic. There was just so much on her. And what I really appreciated was the fact that she cared about everybody else first. Uh, my care, the, even the town people of making sure that she didn't cause panic here, releasing information, caring for the boys, caring for my family, making sure that, that she gave them information so that they were, you know, kept up to date. It was a lot. And so, um, you know, I, I really, I, 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 that the month and a half after that I took to completely recover and make sure that all that, you know, uh, medication that they gave me to keep me down was gone. I just tried to do as much as I can to show her how, much, how appreciative I was of her support. And, yeah. uh, and so, and she's very appreciative of everybody that supported her in that time. Yeah. I, she sounds like uh, as much, if not more, you know, in that hero category is the docs at Danbury for sure. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Those doctors yeah. were amazing. Uh, matter of fact, my infectious disease doctor called me two weeks ago just to check on me. Um, just to make sure I was okay, discuss new protocols that they're doing. Um, so, I mean, they have been, they really have been just professional all the way through and through. That's awesome. Um, can you tell us like, you know, I, I know that, you know, hearing a lot of stories and what people's experiences are like inpatient, like of what you can recall, like what was the inpatient experience like, you know, being in the hospital you know, I, I believe you you said you were in a coma, so you weren't you weren't with it the entire time, but the time you were, you know, what was that experience like? I would say it was it was an extremely good one, as much as as scared as I was. Um, because I've never been I've never been sick really. I the last time I had the flu 
or anything like that was the swine flu over 10 years ago. Um, and so, you know, I don't get sick often. I don't go to the doctors that much. So to all of a sudden to be hooked up to all these different machines and then your family's not able to visit you, your friends aren't able to visit you. So your only interaction is a few moments with a nurse or a doctor. And but what I appreciated about them is, is, you know, while all the chaos was going on in the hospital, uh, I never saw them stressed, flustered. I thought I was the only, you know, COVID patient. I came to find out by the seventh day I was in there, they had hundreds of, or, or you know, wow. several patients. Um, and then the Army Corps of Engineers was actually building out a, a temporary hospital in the parking lot because there were so many COVID patients from Fairfield County. I've never been in a hospital like you tailor yourself and have to come out of something but i would imagine you've got kind of this i don't know refreshing new view on life right like you, you it's not the why me it's a great i i did it now i can do something has that changed yeah. your view on like what you want to do or where you want to focus or i mean anything well, like that it, it has it actually has so uh you know tomorrow uh i start a new uh weightlifting program uh so you know i lost some pounds doing it i put on the COVID 15 okay. I lost 25 pounds. I put on my appropriate COVID-15 and I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to gain any more. Um, yeah, you know, there's, there's new skills that I want to learn. Um, there's a lot of volunteer work that uh, my family and I were already into, and we're going to now add more to that. Nice. I've had, the, I've had the privilege now to have individual families reach out to us and help them with their COVID experience. Hmm. And unfortunately for a couple of cases, it, it, they, they passed away. But in other cases, we've been able to help them uh, just even just providing comfort, just saying, hey, look, OK, you got the pull socks. All right. Here's the here's the numbers you need to write down every couple hours and just record that. And if it goes to this level, you need to you know, contact because a lot of people were having an issue like, hey, my dad's 65. He got caught with covid and we think he should be in a hospital. And the hospital sent us away saying he's fine. But if he gets further into chaos, let us know. So my wife and I have been able to help them go here. Okay, here's the levels that he needs to be at before you contact the hospital again. Otherwise, he, knows he just needs to rest. Right. And so that just hearing that to somebody who didn't know that gave them a lot of comfort. Yeah, absolutely. And then being able to, to use the resources that were given to us to help other families. And so we were able to do that with a large chunk, able to help uh, a, a family member who's got a, 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 a problem with their health. So they would be in a very precarious position if they got COVID. So being able to just focus our, our again, not focus inward, because when we focus inward, we get selfish. We don't think of, we start thinking, why me? But focusing outward, how can I help other people? Yeah, so Chris, let me ask you, this is like a cliche question, but like, what do you think, like, you know, imagine you've got an audience of a thousand people in front of you right now, like, what, like in, who are all looking for something to do to try to help? Like, they obviously can't talk about it from your perspective. But like, you know, everybody who works in healthcare right now uh, is on the front line of this. Everybody who is at home, you know, probably wondering, you know, there's got to be something more than I can do than WebEx and, and uh, you know, telehealth or not telehealth, like Microsoft Teams or Slack or whatever medium you're on. There's got to be something more people can do. You know, we've been trying to figure this out in cyber for weeks, but just interested in your perspective now, like you've got a clear understanding of the problem and, and the answer. Yeah, well, I, I definitely would say that the stay home, I mean, when I look at the amount of work, when I just watched the amount of PPE they had to churn through just to visit my room hmm. one time, just one time, 
and having to watch them take it all off, toss it in a trash can. They walk out. They were walking out the door like this. Somebody else opened the door for them, carried the little crash cart with them. And then they had to put all that back on. And so when they're telling us, hey, look, maintain social distancing. Uh, Don't go out unless you have to. If you think about it from a nurse's perspective, that's got to wear a mask all day long, squeezed into her face and, you know, with either goggles or a, a face shield and they're uncomfortable and they're sweating and to just think, well, if I get COVID and have to go in the hospital, then I'll just deal with it then. That's a very selfish attitude to have, right? You're not, you're not putting the other person first. So I, I think if we live by the principle of what is good for my fellow man, mm. if we think in that way, then that's going to spur the appropriate actions, whether either to think about the fact that, you know, could we be exposing someone else's family to this? Maybe I feel fine, but maybe I don't know that I'm a carrier for this disease. So following those guidelines, I know that sounds so basic, but when I, I look at it, it's a simple thing that we can do. Um, you know, on, on that line, like, um, you know, some Brian and I've done a bit of trying to get iPads for people so they don't have to break PPE while they're inpatient. So in that example, you can talk to the nurse without her coming into the room sort of thing. So there's stuff, there's stuff like that that's out there that I feel like uh, if people just knew about, um, they would go after. But tech is playing a big role. I'd just be interested, like, where do you think tech could fill the gap? Like if, you know, you're, a lot of tech people are probably going to listen to this. Where, where would you say if you're a tech company and you do X thing, uh, make iPads or tell, you know, make, uh, make equipment that would either make the patient stay easier, make the family staying in touch with your family or allevi- alleviating some of their anxiety mm-hmm. would be somewhere in there. And then obviously like who, who would have thought an iPad would actually reduce the need for PPE turnover, but in fact mm-hmm. it does like stuff like that. Um, any, any thoughts from being on the inside? Yeah, I would say, you know, being able to FaceTime uh, my family was critically important. So even making sure that the guest Wi-Fi in the hospitals was robust enough for all of us to FaceTime at the same time. Mm. Uh, that was critically important to me, you know, because uh, you, you, and, and so you think about the nurses and doctors, you, how can you reduce what they're doing? Um, you know, how many times they have to come into your room and interact with you and reduce their exposure. So being able to, if the, if the organization has teams or zoom, being able to do that. Um, if there's a, you know, what I would love to see is that cart that they bring around. And, and at least in Danbury, they had the cart, it had the pull socks, it had the BP cuff, you know, take one time to show me to do that. And then that's part of my little project to get going. As long as my, my levels are okay and I can do it, have me put the cuff on. I, I mean, I, that, I, I'm a, you know, fat, bigger guy. So it, it re- went right on my forearm. I knew how to do the pull socks. And then I could press the buttons and she could, you know, he or she could walk me right through it. Mm. And that reduces, like you said, the PPE churn and the exposure. I've never seen more generosity out there um, from current vendors um, who, you know, are trying to do the right thing with their customers who might be under licensed um, or not have what they need. And and I'm seeing a lot of just like super Mm. awesome people just supporting one another in that sense. Um, You know, I, I can't say the same for, folks who are looking to take advantage of the situation, but I, I would say by far and large, I've seen nothing but awesome things from like Microsoft and Google and uh, Order and some of these other um, companies that focus in specifically in healthcare. That's been really encouraging. Um, I'm not sure what I'd say about, um, you know, market changes and dynamics, but I do hope that people do 
take seriously the you know the, the that safety is unfortunately not in the CIA triad but needs to be um, and that we start thinking about um, the safety of systems because they are very closely linked to the safety of people, mm-hmm. especially when you um, talk about cybersecurity in the hospital. Um, having been very familiar with that topic over the years. Um, the one thing I do want to just also point out, and not, this is not my podcast, but I, I do want to say the, you know, the the thing that is sorely lacking still is, is the need to, you know, have the right amount of empathy going into commercial conversations right now. Everyone is affected in some way, shape or form to pretend that you're not, to pretend that all you got to do is sell something or, you know, get the thing turned on or whatever. Uh, that may be one of the goals, but the first goal I think, and it will help us all is just understand the people who are sitting across the table, mm-hmm. what their needs and concerns are, maybe in work as well as outside of work and be sensitive to that uh, as you you know approach any kind of work you're doing now or in the future. And I think if more people just did that, all of this would get easier, frankly. Um, 100% agree. Just being, just being thoughtful, uh, which is a sad, weird thing to say, but I'm a dad, so I have to shout it you know, <laughs> multiple times a day at my children. Um, but it's, you know, it's just as effective advice as it is right now. And, and you know, I, I think nobody really always understands what other people are going through. Nobody's ever walked in each other's shoes. But I think this conversation has really helped us uh, understand your your perspective, Chris, which I think is great. And yeah. um, certainly, uh, certainly some some things to give us some, some things to think about and be thankful for. Hey, I want to thank Chris and Taylor for being on today. Chris, again, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, great insights to to everything you went through, both of us, from both of us and everyone else I think you've talked to and, and, and anyone else we could possibly represent in saying thank you for this. And we're all really, really happy that you are okay. Um, you know, good good things all around there. Very, very good to hear. Um, again, I want to thank everybody for watching. This is Brian Hoagley with CISO Life. Thanks again. Thank you.